Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com. Accesswealthaviation.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast coming to you from Montecito, California. And today, before I start, I want to remind you, as I frequently do, that there's a website called wealthformula.com that you should visit. That site houses this podcast and also has a number of resources, including some books and some webinars and that kind of thing. It's also where you're going to sign up for some of our lists, like the Wealth Formula Accredited Investor Club. If you're an accredited investor, you're interested in potentially getting involved with some of our opportunities our group has, then definitely sign up for that. Also, a number of people have been asking about Wealth Formula Network. Now, how is that different from Investor Club? Well, Investor Club is, you know, you get onboarded as an accredited investor and then you, you know, get access to some of the opportunities that we participate in through our Investor Club. But Wealth Formula Network's different. Wealth Formula Network is more of a discussion group, a community, a private community where we have a course that starts out, uh, gives some fundamentals and basics, and then you join these uh, bi-weekly Zoom video calls, which are very, very popular, and we get very, very granular on those things. There's a Facebook page and all sorts of things, but that's Wealth Formula Network, so that's different from Investor Club. I know some of you have been asking when you join Investor Club, well, how do I get on these calls? Well, that's not the same thing. It's totally different. Investor Club is for investing. Wealth Formula Network is a community. So if you're interested in Wealth Formula Network, go to wealthformularoadmap.com. Ignore the silly sales video page and know that it's the course, yes, but really the magic is once you get the basics down and you join this group of really, really smart people for group intelligence sessions. Okay, now let's talk about today's show. Speaking of collective intelligence, our Wealth Formula meetup was in Dallas a few weeks ago and lots of serious brain power there, uh, like Janet Page and Doug Lodmel and, well, Tom Wheelwright. Now, Tom, of course, is my CPA. He's a very smart guy. He wrote one of the books that I consider a must-read in personal finance, which is called Tax-Free Wealth. Now, he is considered by many to be the Michael Jordan of CPAs. He has Several high-profile clients, including Robert Kiyosaki and is Robert's rich dad advisor on taxes. You know, I thought, of course, you know, Tom is my CPA as well, and I thought I had read up or been exposed to just about everything Tom taught. But then 
in Dallas a few weeks ago. He got up on stage and really completely caught me off guard with a structure I hadn't seen. And this structure solves one of the biggest questions that high-earning business owners have had, as long as I can remember almost, which is how to turn active income into passive income. Now, of course, being able to use depreciation losses from real estate is a tremendous advantage. But if you're not a real estate professional, you don't have that designation, well, a lot of that just ends up being carry forward losses that you can't use uh, except for against passive income. But the key is if you can figure out how to turn that active income into passive income, then you can benefit from all of the tax advantages that us real estate professionals do and use those losses potentially against income that you might uh, otherwise be seeing as earned income. Now, Tom got up on stage and drew out a structure that not only showed the way to convert active income into passive income, but also showed how to do it while at the same time creating bulletproof asset protection, which him and Doug Lodmel talked about, and estate planning benefits that would survive even if the current tax legislation passed in its entirety. For some of you know that the estate tax issue is being attacked. Essentially, it used to be that you could just you know, use like a dynasty trust or something, get money out of your estate, and well, it was out of your estate. But now the current tax legislation is putting some roadblocks on that and would make it very difficult to do it in the same way. Now, so after Tom's talk on stage there, I got a lot of questions about how all this work. And so I decided to ask Tom to come on the show and explain it on Wealth Formula podcast to our community. And as far as I know, I have not seen this in any major forums or podcasts before. So it's pretty exciting. Hope you enjoy it. Check it out. And we will have this uh, interview with Tom after these messages. By the way, if you want to catch the video version, you can check us out on YouTube and, and stuff, too, because Tom's got like, you know, his chart up and all that. So uh, anyway, we'll be back right after this. What do the Rothschilds, the Romneys, and the billionaire hedge fund managers know that you don't about growing and protecting wealth? As you might imagine, the wealthy have a few tricks up their sleeves. One strategy allows you to grow wealth tax-free at a compounding rate with no volatility. It protects your money from creditors and lawsuits, and it lets you invest the same money in two different places at the same time. How about that for amplifying wealth? To learn more, go to WealthFormulaBanking.com. Again, that's WealthFormulaBanking.com. Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder this stuff is so profitable and recession-resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Uh, if you missed the most recent Wealth Formula meetup in Dallas. Uh, there was a moment of kind of surprise for everyone, including me as uh, Tom Wheelwright went up there and, and came up with a new paradigm, which, you know, at least a new paradigm to us. And uh, it sounds like it was something of a revelation. 
in a recent meeting with Doug. But I wanted to get Tom back on the show to discuss this today. Tom, thanks for coming back on Wealth Formula Podcast. Always, always good to be with you, Buck. Always good. So, okay, so tell me the truth. This whole concept, I know you flew in with Doug Ludmel. <laughs> <laughs> and his, he, he flew in, right? So Doug's a pilot and you were flying. And did this idea just kind of come together on that flight with, with Doug at the wheel? Because I have this vision of Doug like flying in you. <laughs> now, I, I will say we had some great conversations, but no, this is actually a strategy that we've been using for years and years. I've used it myself. And, um, you know, the question, it's it's always that big question, right? Which is, Okay, if I can't be a real estate professional, how do I use my real estate losses? I mean, that's right. the fundamental question. And right. as a general rule, it's pretty simple. And I, can I draw? Is yeah, okay? you can or, You can draw. And remember, a lot of people are going to be listening to this. So okay, we'll so try. I'll describe what I'm drawing. Yeah. Okay. So. And just to be clear for everyone, I'm sure that most people on the show have not heard of this concept because I hadn't really using the various trusts and things, but it's an idea that, you know, essentially allows you, as Tom said, to use, you know, passive losses for somebody who's not a real estate professional also provides estate planning, right? And we can talk a little bit later about the implications or why that's important right now. And then, and then asset protection all in one, right? Right. So, so, so the asset protection part is the part we talked about on the plane, right? Um, because that's an important part of this. And Doug was not familiar with this income tax strategy. So I was sharing the income tax strategy. The, the general rule, of course, is that rental real estate losses are passive, right? And the rule for passives is that passive activity losses can only offset passive activity income. That's the general rule, okay? Passive activity losses can only offset passive activity income. And uh, we call passive activity income, that, that's coming from a pig, a passive income generator. So we, we always say pigs are our pals, okay? So the question is, uh, a lot of people can't be real estate professionals. I mean, you're a real estate professional. Doug, I mean, for you, for you Buck, this would make no sense. Yep. Okay. Yep. Make no sense at all, which is why you haven't heard of it. Great, great. <laughs> So, but for those of us, like my wife and I, we're both full-time in our business. We're not going to be real estate professionals. All right. Well, so then remember it's passive losses can only have passive income. This does not say, this formula is not passive losses are not deductible. And that's the mistake people make. And that's the mistake tax advisors make. They tell their clients, well, it's a passive loss. So therefore it's not deductible. That is patently false. Okay, passive losses are absolutely deductible. They're just only deductible against passive income. Right. So the question is, if I can't make my passive losses active, how do I make my active income passive? Right. That's it. Mm -hmm. that, that's the entire question. So it's really simple. And it's a, it's a simple matter of ownership. Well, I, what I'm going to drop here for those of you who aren't watching or listening is when we set up ownership of real estate and ownership of businesses, we tend to make them two separate groups. Okay. So we have one group where we have the taxpayer and they own their business, right? Let's say it's an S corporation here. And then we have another group 
where the taxpayer over the same taxpayer owns real estate and they typically own it through a holding company if it's not a syndication if it is a syndication they just own a bunch of syndications all right so the, the challenge we have is that the real estate is passive but because you're active in your business your business is active so now we have a mismatch what we're trying to do is to create a match passive income passive loss so what do we do we use a trust okay this is where the trust comes in and it's a trust for your children or your parents. Could be your parents, okay? But certainly could be for your children. And that's usually what we do because most people want to pass on their estate to their kids. And so this only works, by the way, if your children will eventually inherit your assets. If you don't want your children to inherit your assets, don't do this. Okay, because this is an irrevocable trust. Irrevocable means it cannot be eliminated. There are some changes we can make in it, and that's Doug's purview, but we cannot eliminate it. Once we put the asset in there, it's owned by that trust. Okay, so this is a children's trust, and typically you do a trust for each child, or you do one trust that benefited each child. All right, now let's say that this trust owns some of your business and it owns some of your real estate. Well, if your children aren't participating in the business, that effectively converts that income from active to passive because to your children, it's passive. Now, there's a very important point here. So just to review, now we're saying... I just want to make sure we go through this incrementally. From the business, it can be any kind of business. Could it be a business that invests in real estate? Could it be what? Well, that's not a business. That's an investment. So we have okay. real estate investments, and we use we separate them out because okay. they're the ones that are passive to begin with, mm-hmm. right? But now we have a business that is an active trader business. It could be um, in many states. It could be a doctor's practice. So. Sure. It's only a business where the state law allows a non-professional to own the business. So, for example, in some states, uh, a medical practice can only be owned by physicians. In other states, a medical practice can be owned, at least a minority interest, can be owned by anybody. Right. So that's that's a critical point there, Buck. Yeah, well, and then the other thing, just to, because there are a lot of physicians and in a lot of states, there are laws that prohibit you, you know, from non-physicians owning. I mean, one other potential circumvention there is there's a lot of medical practices owned by these MSOs, right? So the management right. service organizations that right. suck off a significant amount of profit and uh, that. Right. And, and the MSOs typically can be owned by non-physicians. Exactly, right. Right. And or or they may be, for example, maybe um, a hospital, like a surgical center, something like that. Those typically can be owned by non-physicians as well. It's it's really just the medical practices typically that are restricted. It's not the other health services that are restricted. Right. So the goal here is, again, for a non-active person to own the asset. Now, there's some very specific technical restrictions here. Typically, your business is going to be an S-corporation. Well, a typical trust cannot own an S-corporation. That will blow your S-election, so you can't do that. 
What we do instead is we make this a defective trust. We call it a BDET, Beneficiary Defective Income Trust. Okay, if you have a revocable trust, let's say you have a family trust, that's a revocable trust. That's a grantor trust, meaning that you are taxed on that even though it's in the trust. The trust doesn't pay the tax, you do. Most people have a revocable trust, okay? Everybody should. What a beneficiary defective trust is, is rather than you being taxed on it as the grantor, the beneficiaries are taxed on it. And the reason is because they have some kind of a power, all right? And this is all technical stuff. You've got to go through with your CPA, your attorney, make sure that all the technical details are handled. I'm giving this to you from a very conceptual basis. Mm -hmm. So what you have is now on your child's tax return, they're going to show income from the business and loss from the real estate, and they're going to offset. And, and exactly. The so so the, the bottom line is, and the key point here, folks, is that, that because they're not active in your business, they're bringing passive income there, and that's going into the beat it. And then the passive losses from the real estate investments are going into the beat it. And they're basically offsetting one another, correct? Right. right. Now, so from the trust perspective, you know, you think about, okay, this is a non-grantor trust. What is a trust? What would a BDIT's non-grantor trust, how are trusts like that taxed? Well, this is a grantor trust. It's just not taxed to the grantor. It's taxed to the beneficiary. It's still considered a grantor trust. So uh, in other words, it's a flow-through entity like your S corporation is flow through to you and you yep. pay the tax, the S corporation, a beat it is a flow through entity and the beneficiaries pay the tax. The trust does not pay the tax. So whatever your beneficiary's tax rate is, that's the tax rate they're going to pay. So of course, if they're minor children, then they're paying at your rate anyway. Okay. But the goal is, is to have the income offset by the losses from the real estate. So they're not going to have any income. They're not having any net income flow through this trust. Typically, those losses from the real estate are going to offset the income from the business. Mm -hmm. You're going to have some mismatch in some years, and you may have a little bit of income, and then it's taxed or whatever the child's tax rate is. Got it. So, and in this scenario, uh, would that beat it? Would you be functioning through the beat it itself or a holding company that's owned by the beat it? Well, no, the beat it has to own the S corporation directly. Mm hmm because you can't have a holding company on an S corporation. All right. Right. It, it has okay. to be okay. directly owned by the effectively owned by the beneficiaries. Okay. It has to be owned by individuals. S corporations have to be owned by individuals. Okay. They can be owned it through a grant or trust, but it still has to be owned by individuals. We do have a holding company on the real estate. Right. This is a holding company. Now the real estate, of course, you're going to be, the managing member of both the S corporation and the holding company for the real estate. So you're going to have control. These are going to be non-voting shares and this is going to be a non-voting interest in the limited partnership or the LLC that is the holding company for the real estate. So you're still maintaining all the control. Just know though that that asset for estate tax purposes, it is not yours. It belongs to the trusts, which eventually depending on how the trust is worded, is going to belong to the kids. And that's a big key. The other big key here, Buck, and I've seen people get in trouble with this, which is why I don't normally talk about this on a stage or in a recording like this. So we'll keep yeah. this to just your people, please. Is that people can get in trouble with their kids. 
Okay. Let's say now you may have conversations with your kids all the time, Buck, about finances and where you are financially and all that kind of stuff. I do. Mm -hmm. I'm very open with my sons about it. They know, they know all about this. My sons are very, very much aware. I go through this all the time with them. So they're aware of what's going on. And I go through their tax return. But remember, this income is going to end up on their tax return. And I've actually seen kids have problems with spouses and other problems because, you know, the spouse may think, well, you're a trust fund baby. You don't, I don't need to work. And there, there are personal issues that come up. Remember, it's going to be reported on their tax return. So yeah. you have to, it's, it's of limited application to those people that are comfortable that their children know how much income they make from their S corporation. Cause your kids are going to know. Okay. Mm-hmm. Your kids are going to know what you have from a real estate standpoint, from an, a parent financial education standpoint. I think it's awesome because yeah. real life, yeah. you're actually training your kids, you're telling them and, and you basically say, look, this is what you're going to have. When I die, you're going to get nothing until I die. <laughs> yep. Because again, you have control over it. Yeah. And that's, that's an important point. Cause I think a lot of people think of these irrevocable trusts and they say, Oh, I'm giving all this. I'm not ready to give this away. You're in control. You're completely in control. The, the only time that we're really talking about a functional change in like, you know, who, whose money it is, is at the time of your death, which is what you want in the first place. If presumably, if you wanted to do this kind of uh, setup. Tom, one question for you that I think uh, I'm, I'm curious about, you know, one of the things that came up during the meeting, and I think you talked about it, Doug talked about it a little bit, was the legislation with regard to, you know, grantor trusts, like, for example, you know, a Nevada dynasty trust or whatever. The idea with those kinds of trusts in the past has been that, you know, you can effectively, again, have control but you know your kids own the trust and so it's a very similar concept in that um but the reason i got confused on the grantor element here is because those are grantor trusts and what that means is that for me for example if i have a grantor trust uh, which i do i pay taxes on that uh, the the right. money that comes in there but the advantage is i pay taxes on it but it's out of my estate so for me it's a planning thing where, you know, I and many other people look at it as a way to potentially circumvent the estate exemption, right? Um, right. It's, it's right. a loophole. Right. It, it's, a, it's an absolute legal loophole. There's yep. no question it's a loophole. It's legal. It's been tried in courts. The courts have been very clear that uh, that estate, that, that, that income tax that you pay is not subject to a state tax, not subject to gift tax. So it's a way to get more out of your estate with the grantor trust. What's being proposed in the new legislation is that whoever gets taxed on the income, it's in their estate. So if it's a like your grantor trust, if you set up a grantor trust, but it was just a defective trust, meaning that for estate tax purposes, it's taxed to your kids, right? But for income tax purposes, it's taxed to you. That's now going to be included in your estate if this proposed legislation goes through. With BDET, we don't care yeah, because the kids are being taxed anyway. So it's going to be included in their estate. Um, they, they have the income. It's going to be included in their state. We want it to be included in their state. So it's, it, it, that proposal, the way it's written right now, does not affect this planning idea. So 
it becomes a, actually okay. So the in summary here, though, the the value of this is significant, and unfortunately, it's really not going to help anybody who's still flat out W two. You still got to have, Correct. you know, you, business. you know, if you can figure out how to, you know, if you're a physician, if you can figure out how to become an independent contractor, you know, an LLC, then have the, you know, maybe there's ways to do it. Who knows? Right. But as a W2, you can't do anything like this. But that being said, if you can do this, this is, you know, you just saw you're effectively changing active into passive income. The asset protection is there because you're not the owner, right? right? Now, I guess the asset protection, what about the kid's liability though? Is there, are you? No, you set this up as a, you set it up as a um, spendthrift trust. So right. for them, they only have a couple of one or two minor powers. Mm. They do not have the power to take money out of the trust. That yeah. is not one of their powers. So if somebody okay. sues them, uh, then it's in the trust. Okay. They, they, somebody sues them, they don't get it. And then you just saw, and then finally, we just discussed, of course, the estate planning element. So that is a very powerful vehicle. Now, there are some people, Tom, including uh, myself, who are real estate professionals. And like you said, what would be the you know point of this is no real point, except for one now, which is that for people who uh, do have an estate exemption problem, if the legislation actually goes through and you can't, you know, have the grand tr trust flowing to you and get things out of your estate, you got to figure out a different way to do it. And in that situation, it seems like that could be sort of potentially a downside to their, their real estate professional status. In other words, if you are so successful that you're going to pass that exemption, well, then what? Have you thought about that? Absolutely. Yeah. This actually makes this planning even more important because right. what it means is, so under the new proposed rules, under the proposed legislation, a complex trust, this is one where the kids aren't taxed. Okay, where the trust itself is taxed. That's a complex trust. That's going to hit the highest tax rate of 39.6% at $100,000. Mm -hmm. So it's not going to be 500,000, 600,000. It's going to be 100,000. So that's a big deal. That's a big difference. Sure. So, so I prefer not having it taxed as a complex trust. Now, if, you're, if your losses offset your income, doesn't matter. You can be a complex trust. The only problem is a complex trust can't be a member of an S corporation under the S corporation rules, okay? So only an individual or certain types of, of trust, pass-through trusts, can, be, can own an interest in an S corporation. So if your business is in an S corporation, then you have a different challenge. Right. Because right. if the business and S corporation, really your only way to do it is either for it to be a grantor trust tax back to you, which now under the new rules that bring it into your state or a beneficiary defective trust, which would get it out of your state and would avoid that high tax rate at a hundred thousand dollars. But then, so then what would you, I guess I'm, maybe I'm missing it. You might've said it, it might've gone over my head, but is it, for the real estate professional who is trying to, you know, use the benefits of the REP status with losses, but yet needs to, you know, start really focus on the estate element of this too. 
Well, I mean, right. what is so, that structure? Well, there, there are going to be a couple of options. Um, one is, um, and this is a Doug question, okay? What's but, that? But What's a Doug is, question? It's a Doug question, right? <laughs> That's a Doug question, which is, could you be the trustee? Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, because if you're the trustee and you're the real estate professional, now you get that real estate professional. But here's the thing, it doesn't matter. Um, as, as long as, my point for you, Buck, is... <laughs> doesn't matter because, okay, let's say that you've got some losses that I say you're a real estate professional and you have some losses here because you own some of this and it offsets the income from your business. Great. No worries. But let's say you also have some that you want in the, in the trust because you want it out of your estate. Great. Then it offsets because it's passive. I don't see your downside. But can you, can you, can you have both? I mean, a real estate professional can't, can't claim the any of their real estate losses as passive though, right? Well, why, why, why do you need to? You don't need to because your real estate losses are are, are No, I get that, losses. but what about the estate issue? So now you have this huge, you know, like- I understand, but again, as long as, look, any assets you transfer into the trust, yeah, they're gonna offset because they're passive-passive, right? Yeah. Any assets you keep, uh, they're gonna offset because they're active-active. Mm-hmm. So, but the question is, how much do you want to put into the in, into the trust? How much do you want out of your estate? That's the question. Mm-hmm. Now it becomes a pure estate planning issue because you've completely avoided the tax planning issue. Right, right. Yeah. Well, this is uh, fascinating and, and certainly uh, something that uh, <laughs> I think a lot of people are going to have to, I mean, you know, who knows about this tax legislation, right? I mean, it's still legislation. We had this discussion in Dallas. I mean, you know, we talked about, obviously, you know, the grant or trust issue is a legal loophole, as you've discussed. But on the other hand, probably, some, you know, one of the reasons why, you know, people refer to the estate tax sometimes as the stupid tax is really like, that's all it took, right? Is just getting right. getting one of these grant or trusts and boom, you're out. And if you didn't do that, you were just stupid. So that's why they call it a stupid tax. But one thing that makes me wonder about it is, you know, it's not like that stupid tax uh, or this this issue hasn't uh, been obvious for years and years and years but there's one thing uh, that that potentially could benefit it is that it probably you know billionaires everywhere are using this and there's a huge amount of political clout so that's the other side of this even though it's a legal tax uh, loophole maybe it doesn't end up because of that but if it does I mean this would be you know this this is going to become very commonplace and you need somebody who can, you know, tell you how to do this, like Doug and Tom. Tom, are you guys, uh, you know, t- tell us a little bit about WealthAbility. You guys remind us about WealthAbility and, uh, you know, how we can get in touch. So WealthAbility, we are fundamentally education, okay, is what we are. Just like you are, Buck, um, Wealth Formula is fundamentally education. We're fundamentally edu- an education company. We educate both investors and business owners and CPAs, and we bring them together. So we vet CPAs. We have uh, almost 50 around the country now, um, CPA firms, and we vet them and we train them and we, we put them through our process. So we've developed a process. This is part of the process. Mm-hmm. We do this all the, we do this regularly. The reason you don't know about it, Bucks, because it, until now, it hasn't made any sense for you. Yep. 
So there's been no reason for you to know. And I don't like to clutter your mind with stuff you don't need to know. <laughs> my, mind, my mind, I, I have to let something out before I can let something in. Well, I'm I'm always cluttering your mind with stuff. <laughs> you, you are constantly pushing. I always need one point, constantly pushing. And it's always, by the way, it's always somebody in real estate. So it's, it's the real estate people that push. And I, I like it. I, I actually, I love it, love it, love it because it does push, um, you know, and it makes you think. So uh, wealth ability, what we do is when people, um, you know, talk to us about, well, you know, I, I need an, a CPA firm who can do this kind of stuff. All right. Well, the only CPA firms I know that can do this type of stuff are wealth ability CPA firms um, that are part of the wealth ability network because we train them how to do this. I will tell you, most wealth ability CPA firms that come to us have never heard of this either. I don't know why. Okay. I don't know why this is a big mystery. To me, this is so obvious. Um, the only time you lose, you know, you know, the passive um, nature is when it's a spouse. So you can't transfer this to a spouse and say you're going to get passive, but you can to a child. It's, there's no attribution to a child. There's only attribution between spouses when it comes to active participation in a business. So what we do with our wealth ability members is like, we have a three day training coming up in November. We're going to train them on the new law, but we're not going to train them on the technical aspects of the new law. We're going to train them on, okay, now what kind of planning do we need to do now that the law has changed? So we're all about planning and it's all about how to build tax-free wealth and how to, you know, uh, cater it to each individual person um, but more importantly, it's the system. There is a, the, like you have a formula, there is a formula for reducing your taxes. There is a formula sure. for building wealth. And uh, we use the same formula all the way through. People's individual facts may differ, but the formula stays the same. And so we want to make sure everybody gets the maximum benefit from um, their relationship with uh, wealth ability and wealth ability advisors. And by the way, easy way to contact us is wealthability.com. I would also um, suggest that when you do that, make sure you tell them that you're, you know, a wealth formula community person, because it really does make a difference. Um, I mean, our, our people are a little bit uh, coming in with a little higher level of sophistication. It does help to give the, the heads up, um, you know, to the people so they, they know that they know who they're kind of dealing with. There's, there's no question, yeah. um, but that, uh, you know, understanding how to do this. I mean, you're participating, you know, as a, as a taxpayer, you've got to participate in your tax planning. You can't yeah. just all be EPA and um, somebody with uh, the background coming from you, Buck, we find them to be much more educated, uh, more, much more sophisticated. They tend to ask better questions and we love, we yeah. love wealth formula members. And along that lines, guys, you know, it's really important that like, no, nothing's perfect. Nobody's perfect. And so if it's not a good fit, um, your first time around, let us know. I mean, Tom, you know, he's, he's Tom Wheelwright. He's, you know, again, Michael Jordan of uh, taxes here, but on the other hand, he's very, uh, interested in seeing you succeed and us succeed. So if you, for some reason, get placed with somebody and you don't have a good fit, just let us, you know, let me know, let Tom know, and we'll get you a new fit, right? I mean, Tom, I mean, that's a really oh, yeah, important absolutely. thing. Absolutely. I mean, we, we do our best to, to get right. that fit right, but right. we only right. know, we don't right. know that much about you. So every once in a while, there's going to be somebody who goes, you know what, I, I, I need a different fit. Um, we've had actually a couple a couple of those in the last year, 
And we're just going to yep. move you to a better fit. That's all we're going to do. I mean, that's why we have 50 members. Right. Right. Totally. It's not one size fits all. Totally. Well, Tom, uh, thanks for coming back on Wealth Formula Podcast. This is really good stuff. Obviously, you now my head is turning here and figuring out how this is going to work for me. But um, one last question for you, though. When are we going to know? Do you think we're going to know about what ends up being law versus what is, you know, not? Well, it, so here's where it is. It's still at the House. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, not even gone to the Senate yet. Nancy Pelosi says there's going to be a vote by the end of October in the House. Okay, that means that they're going to pass something in the House. Then it has to go to the Senate. And the Senate has to figure out what they're going to pass. And then they have to reconcile the two. So my guess is probably mid to late November is when we're going to get a new yeah. bill. Senate is still under Republican rule and um you know well sort of sort of sort of uh, they're, they're, it's really 50 50 yeah and so uh the democrats oh, do have point. the edge there with uh, vice president harris um but they have to have all 50 so they yeah. can't have one even one person defect um kirsten cinema from arizona my home state and uh and joe manchin from west virginia are holding tough holding the line on keeping the size of this bill um, much smaller. And so I, they're definitely having an impact. Fantastic, Tom. Thanks again. And, um, you know, obviously we will continue to get updates from you. Keep up the good work, keep up the fight and thanks we'll for coming it. on. All right. Thank you. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. And of course, this is, uh, in my opinion, this is something that a lot of you can use. Now, understand that if you're just flat out W-2, you're still screwed. This doesn't help you. But, you know, I would encourage you and your CPA and tax professional and, and the rest of your advisors to, you know, think about that, too, because it's not always just as simple. You're W-2 and that's it. I mean, do you have to be W-2? I mean, if you're a physician, couldn't you, you know, become an independent contractor and have, you know, an LLC that gets paid instead of you? And then that LLC has, you know, another company like an MSO that maybe can provide marketing services and, you know, payroll and all that kind of stuff. And then have that uh, potentially, you know, owned by the trust. I mean, listen, I'm not giving you advice. My point is that to me, it's not ever, you know, I just can't do that. It's like, how can I do that? And, you know, that's really one of the things that this provides. The only people that this is not going to give any options to no matter what there are people with flat out W-2 and I get it. It's not an easy thing to get out, but I think it's worth thinking about how you might be able to do that. Because if you look at the tax potential savings compared to maybe even taking a small pay cut, it's pretty, pretty remarkable. So anyway, hope you enjoyed that. Again, you know, the meetup was fantastic. And for those of you who were there, obviously we talked a lot about Wealth Formula Network, and it's sort of the continuity between what we do at our meetups and those Wealth Formula Network meetings and our Wealth Formula Network calls biweekly in the Facebook group is is hugely advantageous. I think the people who are in it are getting a ton out of it in terms of educational value. So uh, check that out at wealthformularoadmap.com. That's it for me this week on Wealth Formula Podcast. This is Buck Joffrey signing off. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time.
Buck Joffrey here from Sapio with Buck Joffrey. Aging might become reversible over the next 10 to 20 years. It's already being done in lab animals, so it's just a matter of time. Our challenge? To be healthy enough for when that time comes. As a former scientist and surgeon myself, my goal is to figure out how to do that and to share it with you. I wrote a book called Living Longer for Busy People that you can download for free at sapiopodcast.com. You'll be amazed at just how a few daily adjustments can add years of a healthy life for you. Again, download it for free, sapiopodcast.com.